This is Rally Sports Radio, Episode 2 with Larry Finnison. Well, hello, hello, you crazy little Boston sports fans. This is Rally Sports Radio, and I am your host, Chaz Wagner. We are back at it again. Who would have thunk it, Mom? I'm doing Episode 2 of a podcast. And we're back this week to tell you about a really engaging chat I had with a, a smart, smart guy by the name of Lawrence Finnison. Larry, to make it easy for everyone, we'll call him that throughout the show, is the author of a book that came out last year called Boston Cycling Craze, 1880 to 1900. And little did I know, and I'm assuming many of you are unaware because we weren't around then and I don't know if our, our, our grandparents and earlier generations have told us about this, but Boston was actually, it's really fascinating, was, was the epicenter, call it the mecca of, of cycling, both a sport and the industry from, from a business standpoint in, in terms of manufacturing and, and just this ecosystem, as Larry calls it, was, was forming or had formed around cycling and many things led to this not just strictly at a, at a sport level just with what athletes were engaging around but it's what the city the residents it's what the everything with our culture here at the time and racial relations and immigrants coming into the city and the region at the time everything made sense and was really set up um, and was the area was ripe for this boom and this this craze that Larry deems in the title of his book. You're gonna love my 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 interview with him. As I said, super smart guy. He's actually working on on a second book around cycling, also focused on this area, and that one is focused on the 1970s. And the Renaissance, like I said in the title, it was 1880 to 1900. So there was a pop. It did hit a peak. It dropped off. So in this chat and in this interview, you learn both the rise and what makes a great story, the fall of of this craze in, in cycling. So thank you again for listening along. Please send over any feedback you have on the show, this episode, the format in general, what we're doing. This is this is really an experiment at this point. And I've had a ton of fun, you know, last week talking to Mark Wallace from Parlor Skis and again this week talking with, with Lawrence Finnison. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to the chat. Thanks guys. Larry, thanks for having having me out and uh, hearing all about the cycling craze and the history and, and a lot of good stuff with, with the cycling. Well, world. thanks for coming out to have the conversation. Yeah, keep it casual, yeah. uh, and it's good to good to do the face to face as opposed to over Skype or, or something like that. So your book, um, you know, primary reason wanted to talk with you is uh, you have a book. It's called Boston Cycling Craze, uh, eighteen eighty to nineteen hundred: um, A Story of Race, Sport, and Society. Um, would love to get kind of the elevator pitch and, and high level what what this book is about. Well, as the subtitle says, it's about race, sport, and society, and it's uh, really about the special culture that existed in Boston in the 1890s and how people bicycled, who they bicycled with, 
where they went, how fast they went, uh, what social classes they represented, what race and ethnicities they represented. And so it's really about bicycling, but it's also definitely about the uh, history of the culture of Boston. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting where cycling is the starting point and it just touches um, all fabrics of, yes, society, culture, and city life in, in general. It, it, it certainly does. And Boston was the big kind of mecca of cycling in the uh, 1880s and 1890s. Okay. It had the highest per capita membership in the League of American Wheelmen and had the highest percentage of women members. Wow, that's amazing. So it was uh, quite a, an established uh, sport here in Boston. And now why, why Boston over uh, New York or Philadelphia or why, why here? That's a good question. Actually, New York, it was very popular in New York as well, and uh, particularly. And I think the reason it started more in Boston is the sort of Anglophile character of Boston. Okay. Huh. And since there were bicycling uh, on the high wheelers in England, um, there were many natural connections between uh, hmm. England and Boston. Boston businessmen went to England uh saw the bicycles there and in some cases brought them back with them right uh, and certainly brought news of them back mm -hmm. and uh, so it was a natural place for it to uh, to begin one of the uh, earliest um, cyclists in the Boston area was a man named Chandler okay who uh, saw an English uh, import down at the Philadelphia Exposition in 1876 and he was so enamored of it that he ordered a couple from uh, from England and started riding around the streets of Brookline where he lived. Okay. And, and people were probably like, where? Noticed. Yeah. yeah, where'd this thing come from? Yeah, and uh, a man named Albert uh, Pope uh, noticed him and uh, said, well, this is uh, this looks pretty good. And uh, Pope got into the bicycle manufacturing business. He thought it was so okay. uh, good a prospect. Got it. So, so he started, you know, you have the manufacturers and he, he probably started a little shop. What what were all the the, um, the little seeds that really, um, you called it a craze, and, and we'll call it a craze, a boom. What what spearheaded all, all of this? Well, one of the things that spearheaded it was an event that uh, Pope organized okay. uh, in 1879, which was called the Wheel Around the Hub. And uh, basically, upper middle class men got out on their high wheelers, and uh, took a trip from uh, Roxbury down to uh, Sharon. Okay. Uh, spent the night in Sharon in one of the country hotels there. And uh, the next day they went over to Cohasset, mm. had a sumptuous lunch, and uh, bicycled lunch. back to uh, bicycled back to Boston. Okay. Now you know so far that's uh, just a ride. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that uh, Pope sent along a wagon. He sent along some artists, hmm. and photographer. Oh, wow. And uh, they ended up writing the whole thing up and put it in Scribner's Magazine. Okay. Now, Scribner's Magazine was a, a big sort of highbrow, uh, literary-type uh, magazine. Specifically uh, for the cycling community? Not, no, not oh, for the oh, cycling oh. community. Okay. This was for the general sort of educated... Got it. Public, but it was a national publication. So the New, uh, New Yorker of today, or uh, something. exactly, okay. yeah. and so it would have, it went all over the country. And from my way of thinking, that's one of the things that really ignited the mm. cycling craze throughout the country. 
is that people picked that up and said, wow, that's a great sport. I want to get into it. And started buying bicycles, especially from Pope. Okay. Who by that time was the leading manufacturer in the, in the, in America. Interesting. What was his, uh, what was his company name or was just, you need to buy your. Well, it was Pope Manufacturing. Penny, Pope Manufacturing. His okay. main brand was called the Columbia. Okay. And, uh, that was kind of the brand name that he used, uh, throughout his uh, career. In, in Interesting. Cycling. And so, um, this wheel around the hub, it sounds like a, um, you know, Pan Mass Challenge 1.0, you know, it, it, uh, for that. In many ways it was, except that uh, it was, I guess, a much, it was not charitable. Uh-huh. It, uh-huh. it was so different in that sense. Yeah. But it was also uh, very much envisioned as an event that would really put bicycling on the map. Mm. Uh, nationally, and that's why Pope sent along the photographer and the artist, and to get the press, to well, get all, yeah, the, to get the, the story press, out there, to get the story out there. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, it was eventually published, and and as I said, uh, wa- uh, worldwide, really, but particularly American distribution, mm-hmm. and uh, it really uh, got people going. Yeah, well, as as good businesses, what they do is they promote the whole category in the industry, and then he probably worked in oh. You can, uh, you want a bike? You can, you can buy it, buy it, and get it built by, by my company. Exactly, and his company was headquartered in in Boston. They okay. Had main Where were they in town? They were down in the South End on okay. Columbus Ave. Okay. And uh, their main manufacturing plant, though, was in Hartford. Okay. But the big showroom, operations, the yeah. big showroom, and the uh, headquarters for all the administrative stuff was uh, in Boston, and uh, he lived in the Boston area. Okay, so, uh, so customers or aspiring cyclists could go in and check out the, the line. Right. Of, and okay. his little, uh, his location along Columbus Ave eventually became very popular and was called uh, uh, Bicycle Row because mm. there were so many no shops one. that grew up along that little stretch of Columbus Ave huh. uh, that... Uh, he, uh, that's what they called it eventually was Bicycle Row. Okay. I never never would have known that down yeah. in the South End. restaurant down there, no, now it's called Mistral. And, and Mistral. That's, it's a and very high-end restaurant. Is that where he used to and be that then? Was, that, that's his building. Okay. And it still stands, and uh, you can see evidences on the uh, front of it of the Pope Manufacturing Company. Oh, wow. I'll have to head down there. Yeah. That's great. There's probably photos online. I'm sure. Okay, so we have Pope. He's one of the key the key players. Um, who are, who are the other? Um, and I know in the book, um, you identify some 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 key individuals that that um, you kind of follow their journey yeah. through cycling. Well, the three in particular. One is uh, uh, a man named Al, uh, Abbott Bassett. Okay. Who was the editor of uh, cycling magazines, one of the officers of the League of American Wheelmen. He was okay. the secretary. And, uh, and it was just, and then his, ma- it was just cycling magazine, just a generic, it was generic a cycling name. magazine. It was called various times. It was called good roads. Okay. Because the bicyclists of the time were very much invested in making the roads better. Yeah. And they spawned a whole movement, which was called good roads. Huh. So there. Oh, that was the initiative. Main, yeah, yeah okay. exactly. And their their main uh, magazine was called Good Roads, and it was called Good Roads in the LAW Bulletin, hmm. and that was all published here in Boston. And Abbott Bassett was very much involved in that, so he's one interesting character. Um, 
in the 1880s and uh, then in the 1890s, very prominent uh, official in the organization. Uh, the other person that I follow is Mary Sergeant Hopkins, okay. who was involved in the 1880s in what was called the North Shore Ladies Tricycle Tours, okay. which were, as the name says, they were up in the North Shore. They started in Malden, went all the way up the shore and back again, and uh, they were very interesting and well-written about, again, sort of in the literary vein of here's yeah. a wonderful tour, adventure. And they were it's a, yeah, it's out. an adventure. It's not, yeah. Yeah, so they were put, putting that story out and trying to encourage more women to bicycle. And eventually in the 1890s, uh, she started uh, uh, under the pen name of uh, the Mary Wheeler, which is what she called herself. Okay. She started up a, a new magazine, which was called The Wheel Woman. Okay. Here in Boston on Tremont Street. And uh, it was the only women's cycling magazine in the nation that hmm. lasted for several years, starting okay. in 1895. So she was another fascinating character to find out, you know, more of what she was about. Yeah, and she was in the South End. It sounds like the South End was was where a lot of the activity was, was That's right. On. Well, yeah. she was actually right on overlooking Boston Common. In mm. fact, when further she... Further up in it. Okay. Further up. Uh, when she started out, uh, interestingly enough... Uh, was the exactly the same time when they started building the uh, subway hmm. uh, underneath Boston Common there. Okay, the Green Line uh, and Red Line. The there. Green Line, yeah, yeah. right down through there. So she, her office actually overlooked the construction of, oh, the, wow. uh, of the new uh, Green Line uh, subway line. Okay. Although I don't know, think that they necessarily called it the Green Line at the time. Yeah, probably something else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so she is a very interesting character. And yeah. And there was a she third. And her husband were leading lights in the Boston bicycling scene during that entire twenty-year twenty-year mm-hmm. period. Uh, and uh, the other character is a woman named Kitty Knox, who was a biracial woman. She was a seamstress. Okay. And uh, she was very interesting uh, woman, uh, young woman. Uh, started bicycling. Uh, was noted in some of the newspapers bicycling. At Cottage City, hmm. which is part of uh, what we now think of as Oak Bluffs and Martha's Vineyard. Oh, okay. Huh. And where the League of American Wheelmen used to have many of its uh, uh, state uh, meets. Okay. Uh, which people would get together. So she was noted bicycling there. And then ultimately, she was a seamstress by trade. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, she won a... Um, bicycle costume contest at the Waltham Cycle Park, which was a racetrack in Waltham that was built in the 1890s. Hmm. She won a uh, costume contest uh, there and was much applauded. And then the next week went down to uh, Asbury Park. There was a national meet of the League of American Wheelmen. The year before, they had enacted a color bar to bar any Hmm. uh, black cyclists from participating. So she was but going she went to... on down there anyway with the support of the Boston cycling community okay. and made a bit of a name for herself uh, down there uh, and also some complaints about her being there. Yeah. And that's one of the stories I tell in the book is about her and about her exploits and then what happened to her after she came back to Boston. Okay, from Asbury Park. From Asbury Park, okay. which is also an interesting story that 
summer and fall when she returned to Boston. And uh, when was that? What year was that? 1895. 95. Okay. And then, so what happened with her that summer and fall is another interesting part of the story. Okay. So those are the three characters that I really concentrate on in uh-huh. the uh, in the book and. Uh, Kind of their intertwinement and their interrelationships because they they knew one another, mm-hmm. and uh, and so their their thoughts about one another, you know, something that I thought was pretty interesting yeah. at the time and reflected again on the ideas of race, sport, and society. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you you said um, is it Kit? How do you pronounce Kitty Knox? Kitty, she was a, a seamstress by trade. Was I'm trying to get a, a, a better grasp of it. Were were these people doing this as full time professions, or did they need to have a have a day job and then pursue this as hobbies or on the side, or was it well, bo- was it booming enough where people were there was a whole field and profession out of out of this? Well, many of the people had other jobs. Okay, clearly uh, they might be lawyers. They might be. Pope's case, he was a bicycle manufacturer. Yeah. Some of them worked in bike shops. Uh, there was a huge cadre of cyclists who were involved in the newspaper business. Hmm. So much so that they founded a club which was called the Press Cycling Club. Okay. And, uh, you know, the press was kind of, the newspaper business was really booming at the time. So hmm. there were many young men hmm. who were involved in the newspaper business and they were very attracted to the. Uh, to bicycling. Okay. Huh. And bicycling was one thing that could get you easily out of Boston. Yeah. To avoid all the smells and sights of, of downtown Boston, you can get right out of Boston and go mm. on bicycle into the countryside. So yeah. it was a grand adventure for many of these people. Uh, typically, the riders were upper middle class or middle class. Or people might be clerks, might be lawyers, might be doctors, um, dentists, or a whole cadre of upper middle class and middle class people who were involved in the sport at the time. Uh, So that's sort of the spread of it. There were uh, different ethnic cycling clubs. There was the Boston Italian Wheelman that was short-lived. There there were several black cycling clubs, uh, mainly the Riverside Cycle Club. Okay. It was headquartered over in Cambridge near Central Square. Okay. And uh, Kitty was associated with that group. Um, And there were some... Uh, very interesting newspaper stories uh, about that group and uh, its appearance in some of the parades in Boston, bicycle parades in Mm -hmm. Boston. Uh, Another interesting aspect of it is the uh, aspect that um, the National Guard units, which were called volunteer militias at the time, were uh, frequently had a bicycling unit attached to them. Oh, really? And uh, so the Riverside Cycle Club itself, a black cycle club, became the uh, bicycling unit for the uh, uh, militia unit that was called Company L Mm -hmm. that was attached to one of the volunteer uh, militia regiments uh, in Massachusetts. Oh, wow. So uh, there's that whole interesting sort of military connection to bicycling at the time. Yeah connection as we said to all fabrics of oh yes of city life you know there's still a lot of happening 1895 and what what led to um i don't know if demise is too strong of a word but why 
Why no longer the craze, well, and why not, did it fizzle it's not, out? It's not too strong a word. It really yeah. did fizzle out. Okay. And uh, people have speculated a lot about why that happened. I think, well, some people have said, and it's sort of a typical reaction, is that the automobile is responsible. Mm-hmm. You know, because there was a growth in automobiling uh, at around that time, uh, and so people sort of two and two together and that would be purely you said one um allure or what made a bike attractive is get out of the city get out of the the smog the pollution right and get out into the nice countryside right but you think there's more it's not just more more to it than that and actually the bicycle craze died before automobiles ever came in to Hmm. any substantial degree and I think it had paradoxically to do with the very uh, basis of its success in the 18, uh, late 1870s, which was, you know, largely an upper middle class sport. Okay. And it was a way for that upper middle class to get out of the city and get away from everybody else. But as mm. the years went by, manufacturers got better at making bikes, making them cheaper. Used bikes came on the market. The safety bicycle came into play, which vastly increased the uh, uh, span of bicycling at the time. Okay. Um, so it was just more, access- what, more accessible sport. Much more accessible sport, and a lot more people got into it. And suddenly it didn't become the kind of exclusive mm-hmm. sport that it had been in the 18, late 1870s and through the 1880s. So by the 1890s, it was a much more democratic sport, in a way. Yeah, it's uh, so funny say, how that works. I wouldn't say totally so, because people who were the lowest paid factory operatives and whatnot really never got into it, mm-hmm. uh, couldn't afford it, and didn't have the leisure time right. uh, okay. to get into it. So in any case, when that original cadre of upper middle class men began to see uh, all the other folks in Boston bicycling as well. I think mm-hmm. the cachet began to wear off. Yeah. And it became less popular. And uh, huh. they started looking around for other things to, to do with their leisure time. I think you mentioned uh, golf. You know, people started uh, making well, golf pe- clubs. People and got into uh, or the, other... the country clubs began to arise uh, at about that same around time. Around the 1900s. Yeah. 1890s and uh, so they began to get off into that kind of hmm. way of spending leisure time outside of the city okay so a whole cultural change occurred yeah it is a cultural phenomenon it's not just in sports but uh when something becomes too popular and everyone's talking about it you, you look for the the, thing. the next thing yeah the hipster the hipster move. Now, some of them got into motorcycling. Some of them okay. did get into automobiles. And in fact, were very successful at it. Uh, um, Alvin Fuller, who had been a racer in the 1890s, and also as a, a teenager, actually owned a bicycle shop up in Malden. Uh, he got into the auto business mm. in a big way and uh, started a, a thing called Fuller. Uh, motors uh, eventually made a lot of money at it became governor for a while he was a well-known politician became governor okay and uh, then uh, the fuller motors has been around for many many years mm. in the family with a family involvement and yeah i think only i think it's still in existence in fact 
Oh, yeah? Although I don't think there are any family members involved in it anymore. Hmm, but it, they're still kicking. Yeah. What, what would you compare what, what cycling as a sport was in this 20-year span? Is there a comparable sport today or, you know, a, a modern-day sport? Is it, you know, lacrosse is, is gaining momentum? You know, because not, none of us were around then. Is it just some, something that we can relate to, that, you know? In 2015. Well, no, I've, I've thought a lot about that. And I'm thinking that, that there isn't really anything very comparable. It's not huh. really a team sport. Right. I mean, obviously, you have bicycle racing teams. Yeah. Uh, so that, but by and large, it is, yeah, it is individual. It's, it's individual. Based. And even though we have bicycle racing teams, um, you know, then there's a whole strategy around how to be a good teammate. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those things. It's still uh, very much uh, an individual, an individual sport. Yeah. I guess the other thing about it is that there's both the tour, the touring or recreational and the racing uh-huh. element, and uh, that's typically been very, uh, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think you find that so much in other sports. Uh, other sports. Right. Uh, so. I, I've really racked my brain to think about <laughs> what's really comparable to bicycling uh, nowadays to what they had what they had back then. Yeah, I mean back then they also they had roller skating that had that had hmm. a, a brief fling. They were doing some ice skating. Yeah, um, roller skating might be a good one because I use it as um, it's functional. It gets me from point A to point B. Right. You know, it's it's I'll call it commuting. In transportation, um, there is the recreation aspect. You could see that as going on a tour, right. or you might stop at a coffee shop or a brewery. You talked about the North Shore um, tours, and then there is the competition where it's you are you are out there to win or, right. or place place yeah. high. Well, the other thing to realize is there are very different aspects of bicycling. You've got road road biking, mm-hmm. you've got mountain biking. You've got cyclocross, yeah, and you've got BMX, right, which right. is uh, you know grew up in the eighteen seventies, uh, yeah, and became very popular for a while. And there's still BMX racing going on around uh, Massachusetts. There are four tracks hmm. that are active uh, in Massachusetts, and that, that's a very interesting sport because it involves young kids all the way from three years old riding these little strider bicycles yeah. on the track up to guys who are in their 50s and even some cases 60s still racing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the adre- very, yeah the adrenaline junkies yeah right exactly yeah. and that's yeah. that's really a racing uh, interesting racing sport very family oriented yeah uh, parents bring their children to race and yeah uh, whatnot so that's that's a good segue. One of the questions and, and notes I had was where, with you being very involved in the cycling scene and, and whatnot, where is where is cycling today? Where, where is it headed? What what are the major trends going on right now? Well, it's for the overall sport, you know. Yeah, that's sport very as a whole. interesting. Probably a better better people to ask about that are people who own shops mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, than than me. I'll give you a, I'll give you a stab at it and. It's very interesting to see the character of bicycling these days. Because I said, there are very different aspects of it. Yeah. And you've also got the kind of high-end bicycle frame builders. 
you know, like Rob Vandermark over at Ride Studio Cafe mm-hmm. and Seven and several other. Uh, and then you have Rafa, Rafa, the apparel line, super you high end, all yep. super high end stuff, and uh, then you've got the uh, repair shops and whatnot, and people buying used bikes to get around as commuters. Got Hubway, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got all kinds of things like that that have that have grown, and it looks like bicycling is growing. You're getting more and more people on the streets commuting, and a much more active uh, movement really in Boston that was only paralleled by the movement in the 1890s because hmm. that was again a very activist yeah. uh, group of cyclists. So you got a very activist group going on, and yet some of the clubs around uh, you see an aging uh, population of cyclists they're having difficulty recruiting younger members interesting and okay. uh, why do you think that that's so that's a really I'm not sure <coughs> but I think if you think about it the renaissance in bicycling came up in the 1970s so there was a huge number of young folks who came to Boston here, were college students, whatever they were doing, they uh, got into bicycling during that time. And they tended to do it ever since. Hmm. It's been but, with them. It, yeah, they, yeah it's been with them as a lifelong avocation. So that, that's what they do. Hmm. But they've been less successful in recruiting younger members to the... Uh, to the sport as a recreational sport. Hmm. Uh, now there's a lot of racing going on, and you'll see some younger folks who are involved in the racing game. Well, is that a? I I, I just turned thirty. Um, there's sports I loved playing in my twenties and in high school and college, basketball and soccer, and you know you're out on the field bumping and bruising, and it's not football, but you're taking a beating. Where cycling. Um, you're still being active, but it's not the pounding on your... You can be sore, right. for sure, but um, I just think you can do it. Uh, golf is, is at the other extreme. I played golf with my 90-year-old grandpa a yeah. few weeks ago, yeah. but I think cycling is, is somewhere in in between the two. Well, cycling you can do virtually forever. Yeah. I mean, my I have people that I've known and interviewed for my second book, which is on Boston Cycling Renaissance of okay. the 1970s. Yeah. I've interviewed people from that era who are in their in their 80s and still cycling. It's 80s amazing. And, and I, I've yeah. even heard of people in their 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the people who is not still cycling who I interviewed, a guy named Billy Vandell, down in New Bedford, a fascinating character who was racing in Boston Garden in 1937 hmm. on a board track, hmm. and uh, quite an interesting character, and then ran a bicycle What's shop. a board track for, for those that are unfamiliar? Well, a board track myself. is literally made out of boards, so they uh-huh. set up an oval in Boston Garden, which was the... What we call TD. That's TD, TD Garden. North yeah, Garden. That was, that's the new building. That's where all the memories were in formed. In the old building... Yeah. Um, they would set up temporary board tracks, which okay. were an oval banked track made out of wood, and they would race around the track. And mm. in 1937, they ran a double bill with midget cars <laughs> and with bicycles. Oh, wow. And Billy Vandell was part of that whole scene, and I had a wonderful opportunity to interview him about that. Huh. He spent years... Uh, bicycling and racing and yeah. running a bike shop down in New Bedford and 
still lives down there. Okay. So. Neat. Um, Fascinating character. Yeah. Yeah, there you talked about BMX and cyclocross. Um, there, I guess I don't think it's translated at all, but spinning classes are, are are huge. A lot of people are using that for their to work out and stay fit. But I really, I don't think it translates um, saying, "Oh, I love spinning," to saying, "Oh, I want to hop out on the road bike." I, it just doesn't. Well, I think for some people, it's a, a feeling of more of a danger. I mean, I know people who are cyclists who also spin in the winter time. Yeah. Um, but there's some people who spin who just would never go out on the road on a bike. Yeah. And I think for the feeling of uh, lack of safety. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Huh. What uh, you personally? What uh, love to hear about your your cycling career, both competitively and. Uh, what... oh, I, I have no cycling career competitive at all. At all. Well, rec- all okay, let's rec- recreationally and and recreationally, just some good I've anecdotes over the years uh, and what well, what kind of bike uh, you know, what kind of bike are you? Basically, I came these back days? into uh, cycling. I, mean, I, I rode around a lot as a kid. And, uh, Where'd you grow up? In Chicago area, and okay. upstate New York, and came to high school here in, in Boston area in 1954. Okay, and uh, didn't bicycle at all. Didn't bicycle in college. Huh. Uh, didn't really bicycle again until the 1990s, and so I was, in a way, pretty old when I got. So you weren't part when. When you said the 1970s, I thought you meant you you were one of the people that no, I was got not. the run it, no, I the was resurgence not. going. I was not. No, I, was, huh? I was definitely not. So it was 1980s a bit, and then 1990s I got back into it, and I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, start cycling with the Charles River Wheelmen, which is really hmm. the biggest cycling club in the Boston area. Okay, and started cycling with them, and they taught me the intricacies of. Uh, what they call a social pace line. Nice. Okay. Which is uh, what's that all about? Well, that's all about people taking turns in the lead, so that as a line or a group of cyclists, you can actually go faster than any individual rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'll watch bicycle racing, like the Tour de France, yeah. you see maybe there'll be a few guys out in a breakaway, and then the peloton behind them. Well, the peloton can catch them. Because if you take turns in the lead really struggling, then you're breaking the wind for other people. Mm-hmm. So they can more relax, and then they'll take a turn in the lead. Yep. So anyway, the, I learned all about that through the Charles River Wheelman. And then uh, a few years back, maybe 10 years now, I started riding with a group uh, called Quad Cycles okay. up out of Arlington Heights. There was a leader up there, a guy named Bobby Mack, who since passed away. Uh, who was just a wonderful ride leader, and uh, he really encouraged everybody, even guys like me, to stay with it. And mm. uh, I did for a number of years, and nice. really enjoyed that experience. So I still go out occasionally with the CRW, and uh, increasingly on my own here and there around this this area, the Needham area. And okay. Sometimes I'll be up around Bedford. Concord, Carlisle. Yeah, it's beautiful. Up in there. that area. That's yeah. a beautiful area uh, to ride in. There are thousands of cyclists out on a good summer day there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so I'll spend time up there as well. And occasionally ride into Boston Okay. Uh, to do errands in Boston. So that's kind of what I do these days. Yeah. What's your favorite ride if, if you're 
said, I, I, I got one one more ride left. What, what would it be? Where would you go? I think it would be the uh, that area uh, from Bedford, from the end of the uh, Minuteman uh-huh. bikeway, from Bedford down through to Concord Center, yeah, up through to Ferns at Carlisle, okay, in Carlisle, and then uh, and back around again. I know the Bedford to Concord track, but the the Ferns, I'll have to I'll have to, uh-huh. I'll have to hit that one. Yeah, Con- Concord by bike, getting out there by bike is is amazing. I love yeah. it. You have a group um, or an organization, uh, cycling through history. What you started that, and then what what kind of um, precipitated doing the, the the book? Yeah, that um, precipitated the book. The, okay, uh, cycling through history was a group that was dedicated to finding uh, historical sites that were important in African American history. Okay. And Not just in Boston. This is this is mainly Ash. in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. And almost exclusively in Massachusetts. So a group of us, several of them, out of the uh, quad cycles group, and I started to uh, investigate that. Then mm. we set up our own five hundred one c three called Cycling Through History. When was and that? When did you start that? That was about five six years ago. Okay. We started that up, and we've created some routes around the Boston area. Uh, and uh, it's a, it's a really an interesting group and and a, and a group that uh, I'm hoping we can push even more in the in the future to create such routes mm-hmm. so that people coming into Boston from you know overseas or the West Coast who want to spend a week bicycling can yeah. do so and really follow the these historical sites all over the state. Right. Because there are important African-American historical sites in the entire state of Massachusetts, mm. Northampton, Pittsfield area in particular, as well Those as Boston. Okay. So that kind of, that uh, organization kind of went hand in glove with the development of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as I discovered more about characters like Kitty Knox and whatnot, uh, I, I was really... Yeah, you probably got going and you said, oh my God, there's a treasure chest of, oh there's a treasure of stories and content I mean, a lot of stories yeah a lot of stories and there's but well there's more you, you got the uh, uh the, the the next book coming so there's the next book is coming you're just scratching the surface more stories there yeah exactly uh, that are more reflective of the culture of the 1970s in boston which was a different sort of culture than what had existed yeah in the 1890s i love it i'm not from the area but just in talking with you and Digging into the book, I'll get to know more about uh, cycling and, and and the city of Boston and kind of where the country was from, uh, you know, post-Civil post, post Civil War and, you know, race exactly. relations. And, and in the second book, we talk a lot about the impact of the environmental movement on mm. the development of bicycling. Right. And uh, some of the real struggles, sort of anti-car Mm-hmm. struggles here in Boston and how cyclists were involved in those. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of stories around the sort of cultural changes and transportation changes hmm. in Boston right? that relate to, relate to bicycling. Yeah, and city planning. and yeah. City planning, uh, transportation planning, uh, all of those things are really... Uh, connected very tightly in with with uh, bicycling even before the recent developments which have to do with uh, the, some of the bicycle paths mm-hmm. like the Minuteman right 
uh, and paths like that that have recently developed. Mm -hmm. When was that uh, constructed or put together, the Minuteman? Well, the Minuteman ultimately was was at least 10 years in in the works to uh, get all the approvals and the funding. Oh, just to get funding and pass it through. uh, And to pass it through all the the right folks. And Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately it opened up in uh, 1994. Okay. Or thereabouts. Okay. So, and there have been other bicycle trails that have not succeeded yet. Well, one particular one called the uh, Mass Central Rail Trail, which went out mm. through from, which is a rail line that went out from Waltham all the way through Weston, Wayland, okay, Sudbury, and out through to Berlin. And that, that never that came was, to fruition? Well, that was held up in 1997 because of the refusal of the citizens of Weston hmm. to uh, pass it through the uh, town meeting. Okay. And that's That blocked was, everything. That blocked everything. Huh. And it's unfortunate. It, and the struggle is still going on. I suspect it's going to be built <laughs> over the next still few working. years. But there's, people are still working on it. Wow. So so the, the strong advocates are not not going to give it up. They're going to. They're not going to give it up. And and uh, actually, I've interviewed a lot of the uh, advocates and also the opponents okay. of it from nineteen to get both sides of, get both of sides the of argument the story and yeah. see what people's concerns were. And it's been an interesting interesting conversations. I bet. Do you have involvement? Have you done the Pan Mass Challenge? What's the involvement with those? I've never done the Pan Mass Challenge. Uh, I've, I've actually interviewed Billy Starr, who founded it. Okay. And, uh, because one chapter in my new book is on charitable mm. uh, cycling. Yeah. And that's probably Which is crazy, one yeah. of the most important uh, uh, charitable cycling events around these days. Mm-hmm. So I spent a good two hours with him talking about how he developed it and his ideas about it. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to ride it someday if I can raise the money. I'll oh, do it. It's crazy. I've actually Me follow, too. I followed the route. And, okay. Uh, it's a it's pretty it's a nice route. Yeah. Uh, very nice route. So nice. Oh, one, well, I'd say last question. Um, this is just a per- personal thing for me. I like cycling to uh, coffee shops. You know, specifically leaving my spot in Cambridge and going out to Ride Studio, just an excuse to get a, a really good nice cup of coffee in the book i know you talk about where people instead of coffee shops now i don't know if it's because there weren't many coffee shops at the time um or it just wasn't a thing to do but instead of coffee shops people would stop at hotels you mentioned can you talk about that you're right the the the, there was no such thing as a simple the simple coffee shop Mm. widespread around the area that we have today Mm -hmm. there were a lot of country hotels Okay. Country inns. Okay. Okay. And uh, that's the kind of thing people akin to you know a bed and breakfast today and and that sort of thing or just out. Well, yeah. even even bigger than that. Okay. I mean, there okay. Were some very substantial hotels that existed out in the outskirts of Boston. Okay. Uh, for example, uh, in South Natick, there was a place called Bailey's Hotel, hmm. and that was a, a big meetup spot. Oh, okay. For the cyclists who would come out of Boston, in fact, come from all over the area, and they would meet there. Yeah. So um, they'd leave in the morning and get you. Leave you, in the morning, they'd meet there. They'd have a wonderful. You said a sump, like the sumptuous, uh, lunch, sumptuous lunch, and, and uh, drink a little bit, okay. and uh, perhaps if they liked, and then go on back to 
go on back to Boston. Okay. Or if they if they indulge too much, they might have to might stay. Might take the train back. <laughs> take the train or stay. Uh... Yeah, because there were trains all over the place. Right, there. right. Okay. Or they could take a train. So back. it was very social and... and very uh, social. Yeah. And, and I think that's one change that's occurred. I think that the cycling recreational club rides are less social now than right. they were then. Mm-hmm. Um, people are interested in getting where they're going fast and getting back fast. Yes. And uh, yes. there's kind of less of a, a social element mm-hmm. in, in general. Well, I think, too, uh, people are... There's so many things to do. Um, cycling's competing against both you know other sports plus video games and all the online and digital stuff um yeah and we only we only have so much time but i agree with uh it is a slower you know a good bike ride might take uh you know from a recreational standpoint maybe a five or six hour you know four or five six hour endeavor people might just want to uh do a workout or do something that takes a half hour an hour or even if they go out for a, a long ride they want to get out and get back Yep. And so there's less of that social aspect of it than there might have been in the 1890s, for example. Mm-hmm. Slower pace of life. That, that's, uh, I would say that's true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And huh. People are much more interested in a fast ride now. Yeah. Uh, that's maybe one reason why uh, recruitment of new members has been more difficult ch- than it might be. A challenge. Because... Yeah. Uh, and I think some of the clubs, I know that Charles River Wheelman is trying to address that, mm-hmm. to have a variety of rides. That yeah. Are, that are, people some want. are slower and some are faster. Yeah, people want options. And I think that's a really good, mm-hmm. uh, good strategy. Well, you said there's other four, you know, BMX and cyclocross and these other things. I know uh, other, you know, golf might be a good example where a round of golf might take four or five hours. And I know the USGA and... Um, the governing bodies are thinking of ways to appeal to this younger generation where can you give them the option to play five or six holes? Yeah. You know, this a la carte <laughs> way of playing rather than having to commit to a full 18. Yeah, yeah. What's the process and uh, timeline for the next the next book? Well, the next book, which is a uh, working title, uh, Boston's Cycling Renaissance. Okay. Uh, and that's hopefully will be out on the street in 2000. 16 late or okay 2017 okay a little over a year yeah and then and more importantly i'm sorry uh where can we find uh your current book boston cycling craze where's the best place to go online you can go online just google it you can get the publishers it's umass press Mm -hmm. okay you can get it through the publisher i'm sure you can get it through amazon and all the other yeah likely sources i know that ride studio cafe regularly has that's right yeah copies up there and i think some of the other bike shops and bookstores may libraries i know some of the libraries around town have them great uh and uh that's probably your best bet is to go online and snag it great get to one of those sources i'm looking at at, at your the pronunciation or the uh spelling of your name where it's it's audio so people can't see but uh lawrence is l-o-r-e-n-z yes where, where does that derive from what well it's a, it's the name i'm sure you're familiar with lawrence yes which l-a-w-r-e-n-c-e that's the english you don't see that's the english version l-o-r-e-n-z-o is the italian spanish 
Okay. Version L O R E M Z is the German version. Okay. And then Fennison, uh, the last name, is that. Uh, That's a bastardization of, of a German. German. Fennison with the with the Z. Yes. Okay. Got it. And that's the Anglo. Yes. You call the it. You said bastardization. I let I, a, I let you come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the. Uh, and one of the things that I discovered in the first book was the power of assimilation hmm. and the desire for, of people for assimilation and all the forms that that took. And uh, one of the forms it took was name changes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's prominent in the 1890s and certainly my own family who came yeah. from Germany in the 1850s, that was true for them too. Yeah. People, people want to fit in. Yep. All right, Larry, this is great. Great Thank chat. Really much. enjoyed it. Thanks Thank for you. having me Thank on you here in Needham. Thank you very much, Chaz. Really appreciate this. This is great. Time. Can't wait to get it out there. Uh, All right. More people know about the, the Boston cycling, the, the history here. It's, it's fascinating.